So let's say you had to give career advice to a piece of food. It said that it wanted to be eaten by someone and get absorbed and become part of the body. You might say, great, but you can't just go like you are. There's a process. You've got to be broken down. Nutrients, vitamins can make it into the body, but there are other things that are indigestible. They have to be separated out first. It's going to be uncomfortable at times, but you'll get through it. It's not a moral judgment on the broccoli. It's not hazing. The broccoli actually is a great fit for the body. It will bring health and be part of something big and complex and amazing, but only if it goes through this process. If it didn't, it would cause huge problems for the body and naturally be rejected. Of course, this is a metaphor. The story of the broccoli is the story of us, of heaven and of hell. The process of bringing in and digesting food is one of the most central to life, and like everything else is a reflection of something bigger. We're going to take a look at that bigger process tonight. Stay tuned. Okay, it's time for me to say, hey everybody, welcome back. Another episode of Swedenborg in Life. Thanks for joining us on Monday night. My name is Chris Childs, and I'm going to try to navigate us through this topic. We're talking about things like heaven and hell, so probably a lot of people are going to be like, why are you talking about that? How's that going to be any good? And hopefully you won't be disappointed. (laughs) We're going to try to walk through something that's relatively complex relatively quickly in our in our time scale so hopefully we'll get to everything but if not there's live questions at the end if something doesn't make sense if there's a hole in the presentation or you had a tangent you wish we went on that we didn't that that you can you can make it happen you just got to comment on youtube or on facebook wherever you are and we'll take them live in the second half okay so we said we're going to talk about how you end up in heaven or hell and it's a little different than probably what you're thinking but i'll let the show do the talking for me which means i'll let myself do the talking for me in these segments so let's get started segment number one what heaven is So, yeah, if we're going to talk about heaven and hell and how do you get there, we got to know what we're talking about first because there's a variety of definitions for these terms. Before we even get to heaven, I want to offer up a couple of alternate titles for the whole show. We could have called this show How Hard You Have to Try to Get Into Hell. You'll see what we're talking about there. But this is basically the message is there is a lot of gravity, of spiritual gravity, if you will, trying to pull us into heaven. We really have to make an effort to to push that away and get to hell. So that's the other title this could have had. The the third would have been you can't just <clears throat> you can't just walk in. Even though there's all this force pulling in, it's not like heaven is not just a place. Swedenborg So Emanuel Swedenborg recorded his spiritual experiences, and he said that a lot of the times when he was able to travel, you know, what we would now call maybe astral projection or out-of-body experience, he was able to travel, see people in the next life. And often when people are moving from this world to that world, they would say, where's heaven? I want you to walk me into heaven. Uh, But heaven is not that simple. It's not just like there's a gate and a fence around an area, or there's not just a place on a map. Now I stepped over it, I feel, oh, I'm in heaven, this is great. Heaven is, as you've probably heard, within. And we're going to take a look at what that means. Heaven and Hell, Swedenborg's book, Heaven and Hell, number 54. It can never be said that heaven is outside anyone. 
It is within, because every angel accepts the heaven that is outside in keeping with the heaven that is within. We can see then how mistaken people are who think that getting into heaven is simply a matter of being taken up among the angels, regardless of the quality of their inner life, who believe that heaven is granted merely because of the Lord's mercy. On the contrary, unless heaven is within an individual, nothing of the heaven that is outside flows in and is accepted. There is an outside heaven, as Swedenborg described. It is a place you can go there, you can see beautiful things, all the descriptions you've ever heard, but, but more and better. But that external reality, as things are in the spiritual world that Swedenborg described, is a reflection of the internal reality. What is going on? What kind of thoughts and feelings do people have? the people that live in heaven, and what what do they care about, how do they treat each other, and that that is the essence of heaven, and the happiness that comes from heaven is this the mindset, the mindset of heaven, and we can't just have a mindset, you got to build it in yourself, you got to cultivate it. So let's look further, heaven and hell number 408. This is Swedenborg describing, again, experiences in the spiritual world. I talked with some spirits who thought that heaven and heavenly joy consisted of being important, But I told them that in heaven, the greatest is the one who is least. I went on to say that heaven did not consist of wanting to be least in order to be greatest. People who do this pant and long for greatness. Rather, it means a heartfelt wishing better for others than oneself, and serving others for the sake of their happiness with no thought of reward, simply out of love. So that's the definition. That la- that is what heaven is. You think you can think. Some people might think, "Oh, heaven is a is a you you die and then you can go to heaven and there everything is happy." Heaven is a state of mind that is reflected in the spiritual world, but it's essentially that. Uh, and you you get people who think heaven is getting anything you want. You know, so it, heaven would be like being really rich and powerful in this world. But Swedenborg is saying, that's not the joy of heaven. That that joy doesn't last. It can't make a heaven because people can't work together with that joy. Um, we have spent some time on this channel, off the Left Eye channel, illustrating or, you know, illuminating Swedenborg's illustrations, illustrating Swedenborg's illustrations of heaven. And we did a couple videos on it. One is, this is a clip we're going to play for you to get, we're, we're talking a little more about what heaven is because the more we can get our minds around that, the more the journey we're taking makes sense. So this is a little clip where it's me, again, reading Swedenborg's description of heavenly joy in the mindset of heaven. So this is a little more on what that heaven is. We may gather the magnitude of heaven's pleasure simply from the fact that for everyone there it is delightful to share their happiness and bliss with someone else. And since everyone in the heavens is like this, we can see how immense heaven's happiness is. For there is in heaven a sharing by everyone with each individual, and by each individual with everyone. So, there's a little bit more of what heaven is. It's it's how people relate to each other. He's not in the in there describing it all. Heaven has these really great looking mountains, and everyone lives in an expensive house. He's talking about the mindset. If you notice, uh, if you've been watching the show for a while, we did an episode that's called "The Shape of Heaven," because the mindset that we've been talking about is a mindset of everybody working together and working together for the sake of the whole, that that I want to contribute and I want to help other people, I want to give to other people. And as it turns out, that's exactly the mindset of individual parts of the human body, that we're looking to work together in an interdependent way 
and to contribute all to each other. So that you actually have a living correspondence or metaphor with the human body and heaven. And we illustrated this further in a short video uh, that's called You Are the Lungs. And then we're going to play a little clip here about how the mindset of heaven makes everyone work together like the parts of a body. So here it is. When the whole body, every part is working together, we call that health. But when everybody's doing their part in the great body, every single person contributing to the whole so that we all benefit, so that everyone's discoveries, patience, lessons learned, hard work, and examples of love lift us all up. When every little part of every cell is feeding from the whole and giving back to the whole, when there's health for the whole human race together, is one complex, immense, intimate, interdependent system. We call that heaven. So we're talking about what heaven is because this episode is about how to get there. So we got to know what it is we're going towards, and that that's how we can establish what the directions are. Even if you have your phone, you got to type in where you want to go. So this is what, into your phone, GPS, type in love of everyone, working together, interdependence. So we have this, so we have that, the heaven mindset, and then we have this idea that the heaven mindset leads people to work together like a body. And for Swedenborg, it was much more serious than a metaphor. It was, as I said, a correspondence, or that the form of the body is modeled after the form of heaven in, in function, not in shape, and we've talked about that before. But the way everything works together is the same as the way heaven works together. And this goes beyond just the static form of the body as it exists. This also, because the body is the model, it shows us what it's like to go into heaven, or how to get there, and what the process is, and the selection for heaven or hell. So all that can be shown, and it can actually be shown through eating, through digestion. And this is straight out of Swedenborg. This is not just me extrapolating on it. If we take a look at Secrets of Heaven 5175, I was thinking before we, when we were first having the idea for this show, I thought of calling it The Great Spiritual Digestion. So that would have been the third alternate title. When we die and enter the other world, our life resembles food that is gently taken in by the lips and then directed through the mouth, jaws, and esophagus into the stomach, depending on the character we acquired during bodily life through our deeds. Most of us are treated gently at first, being kept in the company of angels and good spirits. This is represented by the way food is first handled gently by the lips and then tasted by the tongue to discover its nature. Food that is soft and contains sugar, oil, or a volatile substance is immediately received by the veins and circulated. Food that is tough, though, and contains something bitter, foul, or unnutritious is harder to break down. Going further, uh, it is sent down through the esophagus to the stomach where it is belabored and chastened in various ways. You all know that. You've all belabored and chastened food and probably had it do the reverse to you as well. Food that is tougher, fouler, and more unproductive yet, and hey, warning, there's going to be some potty talk here, okay, is propelled down into the intestines and eventually into the rectum where the first hell is located. I you know, you, you came here for weirdness, you're going to get weirdness, and is finally eliminated, turning into excrement. As long as we are in this state in which we resemble nutrients or food in the stomach, we are not part of the universal human, but are being introduced into it. When we figuratively enter the bloodstream, on the other hand, we are then in the universal human. So, if you're still here, cool. That means you're probably going to watch the rest of the show because it's not going to get weirder than that. But did you the metaphor is the, the body is like if the body is like heaven, the digestion process is like how you get into heaven. There's a process that happens and if you skip, if you decide I want to go through the whole GI tract without 
being part of the body, there's other places for you. And we'll get later uh, to how that's maybe not as bad as you think. So we're going to follow that journey and follow the progression of uh, people into heaven, the journey that we're all trying to go on here. So we'll start at the beginning with the angels and the lips. So when it all begins, the journey into the afterlife, going by what we've been told by people who say that they've experienced it, it seems to start with love. The people talk about peace and and um, sort of a being cared for and being reached out to, as this guy uh, describes right here. The closer I got, the more I started feeling the sense of welcome and love. To feel that kind of love, you know, reaching out to you, touching you. Because when in this physical life do we feel love reach out and touch us? And it's interesting that he says that love reach out and touch us. So that's our first experience, is love reaching out and touching us. And uh, if, if that's like the starting journey of food, um, the first thing it meets is the lips. And that, the, we use those to express love. You know, we kiss, that kind of stuff. That is, that is the beginning. That is that love. And Swedenborg echoes this, Heaven and Hell 450. He says, When heavenly angels are with people who have been awakened, they do not leave them because they love everyone. Angels take the greatest care to shield the awakening person from any concept that does not taste of love. They do everything for us as newly arrived spirits that we could ever wish in that state. And that goes for everyone. That goes for everybody. And Swedenborg says, everyone is at first brought into that care, regardless, as as mad as that might make us all about someone we think shouldn't have that kind of treatment. Everybody has that. So, uh, and it's interesting, uh, the idea that some food can be absorbed initially. And I, I talked to Dr. Ed Higgins, who we've had on the show before, about the process of digestion, and I'll introduce him better in a minute, but this is something he had to say about that initial process there. Very few things can be absorbed through the mouth level, some, some very simple sugars. So it's not like there's a bunch of food zooming th- through your mouth into your body. I mean, it's, it's not getting absorbed there. There's all this processing, but there are some things, little simple sugars, and actually a lot of modern medicines you can take in sublingual form because there are certain things that can get in right away. And Swedenborg describes this. We're going to read a little more from Heaven and Hell. Uh, there are three states that we pass through after death before we arrive in either heaven or hell. The first state is one of more outward concerns, the second is one of more inward concerns, and the third is one of preparation. Some people, however, do not go through these states, but are either raised into heaven or cast into hell immediately after their death. The people immediately raised into heaven are ones who have been regenerated and thus prepared for heaven in this world. So, uh, that's, it's just a few people that have already been prepared or already fully made their choice. A spoiler alert, the whole process about whether you're going to be absorbed into the body or not is about whether you want to pursue, grab on to identify, make your life consist of love or, or of um, antagonism and selfishness. So some people already have been processed enough in this world that they know exactly what they want. And I know I said before that everybody gets this the same experience. I don't know how quickly, Swedenborg says, people are immediately raised up or or dropped down, throw themselves down, he describes it as. I don't know if that happens right away, if it takes time, but, uh, you know, 
the the finer details could go either way. Obviously, you know, I'm just reading the travel notes. Uh, so, but we have these stages, and they correspond to this initial part. Um, and then Heaven and Hell 450. It says, uh, "Oh, this is this is um this is the plot thickening a little bit because I talked about how you can either go up and down, and it's your choice. We we looked at 450 a minute ago, but it was shortened. We had all these ellipses in there. This is what we left out. This is the process as he describes it that that." we sometimes don't want to stay with angels. He says, when heavenly angels are with people who have been awakened, they do not leave them because they love everyone. But some spirits are simply unable to be in the company of heavenly angels very long and want them to leave. When this happens, angels from the Lord's spiritual kingdom arrive. They do everything for us as newly arrived spirits that we could ever wish in that state. And heavenly and spiritual angels, these are people with different levels of their mind open, you know, different kinds of love, different kinds of wisdom. They tell us, at least to the extent that we can grasp it, about the realities of the other life. However, if our nature is such that we do not want to be taught, then once we are awakened, we still, we want to get out of the company of angels. Still, the angels do not leave us, but we do leave them. Angels really do love everyone. They want nothing more than to help people, to teach them, to lead them into heaven. This is their highest joy. And he goes on. When spirits leave the company of angels, they are welcomed by the good spirits who are accompanying them and who also do all they can for them. So you're kind of going down progression. Oh, I can't hang with you guys. Uh, okay, I'm going to try. No, I don't want to hang with you guys either. I don't want to hang with you. Going, sort of moving down. However, if they had led the kind of life in the world that makes it impossible for them to be in the company of good people, then they want to get away from these as well. This happens as long and as many times as necessary until they find the company of people their earthly life has fitted them for here they find their life. And remarkable as it may sound, they then lead the same kind of life they had led in the world. And this is just an initial phase. It's not a permanently leading the same kind of life, but but that's how it begins. You sort of find out where can you breathe, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But angels are never, you, nobody comes up and angels say, oh, we don't, we don't like you at all. Angels are taking people in, trying to teach them, trying to work with them. But if you, if that's not your scene, there's, there's, there's never a bar on the exit door. You can say, "I'm, I'm out of here." Then the, you know, the, the next, the next level down, people who are a little bit less intensely good uh, can come hang out with you. You want to push that away? You can go to, you go to wherever you want to fit in, right? So that's the initial stage, and then. If you're t- thinking about food, after the initial encounter with the lips, there's a tongue. And our tongue is an, an organ that senses what is going into the mouth. It figures out, what am I dealing with? This is an investigation to note the character of the food. So in our correspondence, this would correspond to knowing what kind of person you are. Because uh, just like the body's got to know what kind of food is going into it. If it didn't know that, very quickly it would stop being. I wouldn't be able to survive or or continue to operate processes if it just brought everything in. Similarly, heaven that functions like a body, there are certain things that in their state, when they start, you just can't have in, or that need to be processed in a certain way before we can bring them in. Uh, and this is something that is widely encountered. Uh, this review sort of process. We actually had a guy had somebody who wrote us a message. We run a Facebook page. It's called, it's uh, facebook.com slash heaven and hell Swedenborg. And we can pull it up here on the screen. Um, and somebody wrote us a message telling about their experience and what they've learned. Uh, and this this person is also Sarub, Sarub Sarma. 
<laughs> which is not how you pronounce it, but they're also writing a book that's going to be coming out. It's not in production yet, but they want to just spread this information. And so this is somebody from their own personal experience says, I know for a fact that angels in heaven have access to review and evaluate all time for everyone. Every last fraction of a moment, thought, and feeling is known and reviewable. Thoughts are studied down to a degree in which it resembles a programming language. More is known about each and every one of us, about our intentions and thoughts, than we know about ourselves. So this is an investigation process, and you see this both in the experiences of somebody uh, having experience today. You also see it in Swedenborg. He wrote about it in Heaven and Hell, 463. He goes into some detail about how the examination takes place. When we are being faced with our deeds after death, angels who have been given the task of examining look searchingly into the face and continue their examination through the whole body, beginning with the fingers first of one hand, then of the other, and continuing through the whole. When I wondered why this was so, it was explained to me. The reason is that just as the details of our thought and intention are inscribed on our brains because that is where their beginnings are, so they are inscribed on the whole body as well. Since all the elements of our thought and intention move out into the body from their beginnings and take definition there in their outmost forms. And this is continuing. This is why the things that are inscribed on our memory from our intention and consequent thought are inscribed not only on the brain, but also on the whole person where they take form in a pattern that follows the pattern of the parts of the body. I could therefore see that our overall nature depends on the nature of our intention and consequent thought, so that evil people are their own evil, and good people are their own good. And you see here the macrocosm and the microcosm, and then a further microcosm. You have heaven organized like one big person. You have the person at an individual level. Then you have thoughts and feelings taking that same sort of form and being being able to be investigated within that form. So you have this here, and you have these angels performing this function. We got to know what you are. We just got, we love you. We got to know what you are because we got to see what's the best course of action. How can we try to get you into the body the best way that we can. Again, and from another source, this is neardeath.com. It has a summaries page. The life, you guys have probably all heard the term life review. This is a, one of the main features of near-death experiences, and they reviewed hundreds of these and figured out there are sort of main reasons why the life review happens. They talk about educating us about life and death, about ourselves, evaluating our development, evaluating our progress, evaluating our lives to determine the next step. And those, in their summary, it's kind of life on earth purposed or, or, you know, focused a little bit because you're going to be coming back, but it's probably a similar sort of process when you're on the other side for good. So this, so we've had two stages. There's the welcoming stage, and then there's the investigation stage. And now that we all know what we're working with, it's time to take a look at what the next stages bring. So life is hard, as we all know, and we're looking today at what that hardness does, why there can be good brought out of hard things, and we're also going to look at how it is that we go from being un- unprocessed, not re- I don't know about you guys, but I don't necessarily have that mindset all the time that we were describing in the beginning. I'm not always thinking about other people more than myself. I'm not, you know, I'm not perfect, right? Isn't that what we say? I'm only human. So how do we go 
from being where we are to being this sort of what we'd all like to be if we could. Well, it's the same way food goes from being this big mass that can't be used into being becoming these nutrients and these vitamins, these essential elements, the amino acids, everything that the body needs, and it has to do with digestion. So let's hear first a little bit about physical digestion and get your, get your correspondence's hat on, because as you hear about the physical digestion, just picture this being parts of us, the, the processes that food go through goes through. This is what we go through to rid us of the things that, that aren't going to be making bringing us that heavenly happiness and getting the things that are going to bring us the heavenly happiness into the right order. So let's hear a little bit about the physical digestion and remember that it's a mirror of the spiritual one. Um, I have to think about digestion in, in two broad categories first, being mechanical digestion versus chemical digestion. The uh, mechanical part is pretty much what it um, sounds like. We are breaking down. You take in a piece of chicken, uh, tomato, that, that piece as it is, is far too large to even think about the system taking in. So we, we first have to smash it. So that's mechanical digestion. The teeth start breaking it down into smaller and smaller, just physical bits. That actually continues through uh, pretty much through, uh, through the entire intestinal tract, we're undergoing mechanical digestion, breaking down. The, the scientific uh, reason there is that by, by making the smaller pieces, we get much more surface area to then let the enzymes get on. That's where the enzymes do their thing and then do the actual digestion. That's then chemical digestion, you know, chemical reactions, breaking down. Now we're at this little molecular level, breaking down larger molecules, macromolecules, big sugars, big fats, big proteins, to the smaller pieces we can actually take in. So there you have physical digestion. This is how food goes from being in a state that, that is, is fine, but it's unusable to the body. Th then it goes to becoming these things that can be incorporated into this greater form and be part of this whole. So just like us, there's some stuff that is, is really useful and really great. There are habits we'd love to kick uh, that, you know, we think, oh, I can't believe I got triggered like that again, or why did I say this, or I can't stop thinking about all these sorts of things. How do we move on from those? How do we get better things? It's through these processes, that, and often it can feel like we're being pulled apart, right? That, that, that is the process food goes through, and Swedenborg talks about it, Secrets of Heaven 9763. None but those who have been prepared are introduced into heaven. Here is the situation. When people go from the world to the other life, which happens right after death, they take along worldly and earthly qualities incompatible with the spiritual and heavenly qualities of angels. As a result, those who are, who are to go up to heaven are first prepared by being stripped of the worldly and earthly qualities they brought with them. If they were taken up into heaven any sooner, they could never remain in the communities there, because their wisdom and love are not refined enough for the purity in which angels live. Once they have been prepared, though, the Lord takes them up and introduces them into heaven, where they join those angelic communities in which, he, in which the true ideas and good impulses of faith and love harmonize with their own. So if heaven is a mindset, if you don't think like, if you're not in that mindset, and it's not a very specific thing, it's very broad, but it's got this general direction of love and community. Swedenborg says that every heaven is different for every. I mean, all of our minds are different. We're all something different, but we can all be compatible in a certain way. So to get there from here, there's processing that has to happen. And it's not actually, it's not like angels are pushing you out. You saw in the beginning, you can't really feel that freedom 
going through you until the blockages are removed. So that's what has to happen, and it has to happen. You know, we 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 acknowledge on Earth that tough things can actually be beneficial for us. We talk about character development. There's a million, you know, you look back and, oh, I'm a better person for going through that. Uh, Or it was a wake-up call. We get those kind of things in there. So we know that there's some of this going on. And let's, let's take a look a little more at what digestion is and really start to think about how does that apply to human experience and how it kind of, like food is being softened and and repurposed, how are we softened by our experiences? So let's hear more about what Ed had to say about digestion. Once we move that that swallowed piece down to the stomach, still ongoing mechanical digestion, muscular churning, mixing the stomach uh, stomach acid with everything we've swallowed, we're starting a little more chemical digestion now in the Um, stomach level. Acid is breaking things down. We are now activating more of these enzymes that will actually start to work on um, proteins now especially. Starts in the stomach. But that that swallowed food, when it leaves the stomach for the small intestine, is still mostly not what we would think of as actually digested. Lots of mechanical changes have happened. Physical changes. The, The real chemistry hits in the intestines. So he's thinking about, he's talking about mechanical changes, physical changes. These are, you go from something that's too big, not usable, and it gets smashed up, and it, get, and it starts to get chemically worn down, and it's getting rearranged and spun around and crunched and moved. Think about what, what is that in us? I mean, you think about uh, the, the indigestible elements in us. If, we have, if you have pride, if you have the ego that is just uh, absolutely running your life, making it so it's miserable for other people to be around you, what experience, I mean, do you have to go through the experience of failing at something or the experience of, of not getting, not being the best or the experience of having to see, people talk about in near-death experiences when the life review comes, they have to see how their harm affected everyone, that they actually feel the feelings of the people that they were hurting and that you understand. And it's, it's you know, it, everybody who's had that experience says they're, they're glad overall that they had it, but it can be relatively painful at the time to understand, but that's the only way you can get this going, you know, or, or if you, you have this sort of, uh, yeah, I, I'm the best, I have to be like this, you have to sort of get the experience of being pushed out of some kind of group or something. You know, these are the sorts of experiences that how else are you going to get people to see? You know, we talk about people hitting rock bottom. You have to have some kind of experience where you, it really hits you, oh, wow, I need help. Uh, otherwise, everyone can come and say that to you, but unless you've had that happen, you don't realize it, right? This is what we're talking about. And you start to think about that, the digestion on that scale, uh, everything, all these physical details start to, you know, oh, what does that mean? What's that? Oh, yeah, what is being? So, and we can easily think about it for other people, you know, that, oh, yeah, they, they need to go through some things to, to loosen them up, but we don't usually think about ourselves in that way. But maybe it's time to start. So Swedenborg has more to say about it. Secrets of Heaven 5174. Food particles in the stomach undergo many harsh processes to draw out their inner nutrients so that these can be put to use or enter the chyle and then the bloodstream. This is known, as is the fact that the food then also goes into the intestines. The rough treatment the food undergoes is represented by the spirit's first torments, which all depend on their life in the world. The torments are intended to separate out what is evil and gather the good so that it can be put to use. Not long after departure or release from the body, then souls or spirits can be said to enter the area of the stomach first, where they are pummeled and purified. So if you've ever been pummeled by life, you've been in the stomach. Those in whom evil predominates 
having undergone these rigors in vain, move on through the stomach into the intestines, and we're talking about poop again, all the way to the last part, the colon and the rectum, which excretes them into the latrine or hell, and more on hell later. Those in whom good predominated, though, having endured some afflictions and purification, turn into chyle and enter the bloodstream or chile, or something like that. So it's an old school word. Some take on a longer route, some take a shorter. Yeah, you see that there's, we're talking about the stomach, then the intestines, and that some people are ready to go. They just had to clean up a few things. Um, some people, uh, you know, that reminds me. So I had uh, an aunt who died, and uh, another aunt of mine um, had, like, I think it was, a, maybe it was a vivid dream or some kind of spiritual experience where she got to communicate with her and she that my aunt who had died was going through some kind of process and she said you never you'll never believe how free you feel once you're freed from all that stuff all the stuff that we were everything we were mired in all not only our tendencies to negativity but our illusions you know the, the things we believe about ourselves about the world that aren't true this caught that cause all kinds of problems, and you you think you know sometimes people go and they they think there's a certain way that they want to be and want to live. They have to go live it and see the consequences of it, and that's the only way to really really have them believe. Oh, I want to go somewhere else. So this is what we're talking about, and let's go one step farther into the after after the stomach uh, into the intestines. So food food leaves the stomach to the small intestines. Now we add a a whole lot more enzymes to, to break down fats, sugars, proteins, lots of different things come in from now, uh, lots of these other helper organs. Liver gives us bile acids that actually help us handle fats. Pancreas gives us different enzymes that'll work on fats, sugars. Lots of enzymes come in that are helping us uh, break down proteins. And then working through the small intestine, about the longest part of the the uh, whole GI tract, um, lots of mechanical still. We're, we're constantly, that's that like muscular contraction. You actually hear here's things churning a little bit. We are moving things through the intestine bit by bit and still constantly mixing it. It's like, like lots of little washing machines in a chain churning it all around. But also now really breaking down all those larger molecules, larger fats, larger proteins, Large, uh, larger sugars, making them smaller to where they can actually be absorbed by the intestinal lining. Interesting, like, is there a connection between smallness and humility? That, that the more you have hum- humbleness in you, humility in you, the more the heavenly mindset that you have. So, and I'm also thinking about all these different enzymes and different, the mechanical digestion, digestion chemically, all these different things working together makes me think of people that are going through hard experiences that there's like an experience themselves, but then there are people who support them through that. And there are people who teach them things, you know, what, what are all these different parts? And Swedenborg doesn't go that specifically into it, but I wonder if this is all the different elements in these, these experiences that you go through that, that rid you of the, the, the illusions, the things that keep you down. So Swedenborg talks about this more, Secrets of Heaven 7541, uh, and this, which sounds, wor- I mean, he go, in other places goes into how it's, you actually throw yourself in, the, the force throwing you in is your desire for hell, and we'll get to that in a minute. Gradually have goodness detached from them and are gradually filled with evil, so far as they develop the ability to accept what is evil while they were in the world. So here you see um, that there's good and evil in everyone, right? But it's which one do we grab onto? So you're, you, you're in this digestion. You know, here, 
on the planet, we have good and evil in us all the time, in both ways. But uh, there's a separation once you start to get into this digestive process. You saw in the beginning with the broccoli and the, the, the vitamins versus the brown things. Uh, and so what... They're, you see, the two parts of you are going different ways. Which group do you go with? Your good's going upstream, your evil's going downstream. What do you want to follow? And that is the difference because it's not like good people are all good, bad people are all bad. What defines you is which one do you want to go and pursue? So that is the process of digestion. And this is the, this is the process that we all go through when we reach the other life. And as we'll see later, a process we're going through here as well. And this is it's not just like you show up to a gate and it's like you're you're in heaven or you're going to hell right now. This heaven is a complex thing. It's a mindset. It's a state of being. To get there, we got to do this the personal growth that gets you to that state of being. All right? So let's take a look now, though, at why go through all this digestion stuff. Is it worth it? What are we trying to get to? Section four, now. All right, so what's it all for? That's what we're talking about. What's it all for? Well, this is a process that gets you basically ready to start your life. I mean, start the big life. We're in sort of the, almost like we're we're in the womb right now, and we're going to be born into this greater spiritual life with more possibility, more potential, more happiness, and it starts out with us getting to our home, you know, our, our true home. Some people feel great in this world. They feel like they fit in, everything's good. Other people feel like I, I, what am I doing here? I, I don't feel like I'm home, you know, and even people who love this planet, there's something even better waiting for us, and Swedenborg describes it here, Heaven and Hell 479. A great deal of my experience has testified to the fact that we are our love or intention after death. All heaven is differentiated into communities on the basis of differences in the quality of love, and every spirit who is raised up into heaven and becomes an angel is taken to the community where her or his love is. When we arrive there, we feel as though we are in our own element, in our own element, at home, back to our birthplace, so to speak. Angels sense this and associate there with kindred spirits. When they leave and go somewhere else, they feel they feel a constant pull, a longing to go back to their kindred and therefore to their dominant love. This is how people gather together in, he- in heaven. The same applies in hell. So there's this community. There's this home. You know, you, you know people have near-death experiences and they'll say, oh, I felt like I'd known them forever. That you, This idea that we get to this this place, these people, this mindset, this way of living that feels like I belong here. I fit in here. I contribute here. This is where I can really be happy, but also do good. It's not like those communities are isolated. They all get together. They're, they're organized, but they're all looking to help everyone else, and more on that in a minute. I want to take a look at the heart of providence now, which providence is Swedenborg's word for God's governance of life, the, the divine rules that shape life, what, what God is trying to accomplish in all the events of life, and he talks about it here, Divine Providence 67. The very heart of providence, though, is that we should be in some particular place in heaven or in some particular place in the divine heavenly person and therefore in the Lord. This is what happens for people whom the Lord can lead to heaven. 
Since the Lord foresees this, He also constantly provides for it, with the result that all of us who are allowing ourselves to be led to heaven are being prepared for our own places in heaven. So we have there, even if it seems like life seems chaotic, it doesn't seem like I'm going anywhere, what's the point of all this? How can this be good? There is a place we're being led to and that events are preparing us. There's your place in the in the human. And it's not as literal as that. It's not like heaven is shaped like like that, like a person, but functionally it's it's as interdependent. And there's your spot that, that you are being prepared for. And that's what all these hard things are making it so you'll be even shining even brighter, be happier there, be more at home there. And everybody else has got their own spots too. And they all work together like a person works together for the happiness of all. And that is why heaven is cool. And so that is what we're going for. So we're talking about heaven. We've got to talk a little bit about hell as well, because he's mentioning all the time uh, hell kind of stuff. So this is our hell section. Um, And we'll begin it by talking about the food that doesn't make it into the body. So here's Ed again. Things that the body doesn't need. We actually eat. There's major parts of especially plants that that we eat that we, we can't use. It passes right through, unchanged a lot of the time. So we don't really even break it down. We don't, we don't need that. And then finally, um, uh, things move on to the large intestine, where the, there's still still limited chemical digestion going on there. We actually take in water. We take in uh, certain electrolytes at the large intestine level. We're we're mostly there though now, uh, packaging waste, you know, making making fecal matter to then waste out. And and several things, a lot of things, make it through, uh, uh, not absorbed by the body. You can actually think of it, the, the um, kind of existential part of, of uh, digestion. Um, things that just pass through unchanged. A lot of people say we're, we're never actually in us. We, you know, we have this open-ended tube passing through our system. If something, something doesn't get broken down and actually absorbed, was it ever really in my, my system? A lot of people say no. It was, was passing by. We didn't grab it. So you have food some of which is digested, some of which isn't. And rather than thinking about it as being people, think about it as being qualities. There, there's, there's mutual love, that kind of stuff is digested. Hatred, antagonism is not. So whichever one you identify with, whichever one you grab onto, you'll go with it. Uh, also, uh, Sarah, this is live. There's somebody in the chat room that was like, is this really live live? Yeah, this is really happening right now. We're broadcasting. Uh, there's maybe like a 20-second delay or something, but is real, is live. <laughs> Thanks for watching. So, we're talking about Swedenborg's version of hell, right? And I want to say that Swedenborg's version of hell is different than the hell that you maybe grew up with. And there was a guy whose name was John Wesley, founder of Methodism, and he was upset at Swedenborg because John Wesley's plan was, I'm going to make everybody so afraid of hell that they'll be good. Like, I'm really going to scare them, and then they're going to turn good. And he said, Swedenborg takes the fear out of it, because while it's not great, it's just not as horrible as it should be. So Swedenborg's hell is not as brutal as some would like it, because God is love, and God is trying to take everybody. You, you notice earlier in that thing we're saying, the processes, the hard processes people go through are to separate the good and bad. So in everything, the divine is trying to do some good and lead people to as happy as they can be. Remember in the beginning, it was like, oh, you don't want to be with the highest angels? Okay, you can be here. Okay, you can be here. But I'm not going to shoot you right down. Like, go. don't you want to try this? God is always trying to make us as happy as we can be. And so if you're wondering what the nature of hell is, probably the best 
person to tell you about that is people who are are hanging out there. And this is a clip. This is Dr. Jonathan Rose, the translator, reading Swedenborg, and Swedenborg is writing something he says he was told by people in hell. And so you're going to hear a little of people in hell, their perspective about hell. So let's take a look. Forgive me for adding the following to fill out the rest of the page. By special permission, some spirits came up from hell and said to me, You've written a great deal that the Lord has given you. Write something from us as well. I answered, What should I write? They said, Write that every spirit, whether good or evil, has his or her own delight, a delight in goodness for the good, and a delight in evil for the evil. I asked, What's your delight? They said that it was a delight in adultery, theft, fraud, and lying. I said, And do you find them pleasant? They said that they were absolutely delightful. I said, what else do you want me to write? They said, write this, that we are allowed to live in our own delights, no matter how filthy they are, as some would say, as long as we do not harass good spirits and angels. But since we cannot help harassing them, we're driven off and cast into hell. I said, why do you harass good people? They answered that they couldn't help it. It was as though a rage came over them when they saw angels and sensed the divine aura around them. I said, this makes you like wild animals. When they heard this, a rage came over them that looked like blazing hatred, and to prevent them from doing any harm, they were taken back into hell. So there you have it. It's essentially, as I said when I originally gave the the talk that that came from, they're basically pitching hell. They're saying, hey man, some people think it's cool to be in heaven, but we got a pretty good deal here. We like it here. Um, We're going to go into why you shouldn't listen to them, Uh, but first I just want to say, As far as getting to hell, the hell that Swedenborg describes, you really have to push away love to get there. You know, the the mechanism is that you have to reject mutual love, you have to reject um, kindness, and you have to grab onto evil. That's the only way in. Um, And to everybody who thinks, why doesn't God just bring everyone into heaven no matter what, it wouldn't be heaven for everybody, the heaven that we described in the beginning. You think about, uh, to use a trite example, let's think about like social scenes, like what do you do for fun? Uh, on the left, we have some kind of club rave concert situation, uh, and on the right, we got tea time, okay? I bet for some people, hell is on the left, and for some people, hell is on the right. You know, that some, oh, I have to get up, like, I have to go drive out to this club, and it's, like, packed with people, and it's loud, it's smoky, I don't want to be in there at all, I hate the music. Other people, oh, I would I would die of boredom, just sitting outside and looking around at, at the birds, you know? So, that's that's a silly example, but you can see that if it's not your scene, you're not happy there. And so, hell is actually a place that allows people who, who whose life consists in harming other people to be as happy as they can be. But what I'm going to say now that why you probably don't want to choose hell is that even though you can try to go after your joys, uh, there's a lot of frustration in hell because you're trying to harm people, but there are other people trying to stop you. There are people trying to harm you as well. It's a, it's a life of, it's like when we're chasing ego pleasure here. It's like you can get some high highs, but overall, there's a, your baseline level is misery and, and sort of anxiety and, and different kinds of fear and, and those sort of things. So also, 
if you're in hell, all the happiness you get is at other people's expense. It's like, you know, if you're, you want to buy drugs knowing that those drugs fund uh, cartels and, and these gangs that are harming all these people, all the joy that you get in hell comes at the expense of other conscious beings. So you don't want to do it because that's what you're going to be doing. But finally, maybe the main reason, I mean, that could be the main reason. If, if that didn't sell you on trying to go for heaven, um, you're going to miss out. If you choose hell, you're going to miss out on like the profound, experience of life. You're going to miss out on such a greater level of satisfaction and depth of emotion, one that you couldn't imagine if you didn't feel it. As Swedenborg describes, don't take my word for it, there's Heaven and Hell 398. He says, heaven's pleasures are both indescribable and innumerable, but no one can realize or believe anything about their multitude who is wholly wrapped up in pleasures of the body or the flesh. For no one who is wholly involved in the pleasures of the body or the flesh or in love for oneself in the world, which is the same thing, feels any pleasure except in eminence or profit or in physical and sensory gratification. These stifle and smother deeper pleasures of heaven so completely that people do not even believe such pleasures exist." So they would be quite bewildered if if they were so much as told that any pleasures remain once the pleasures of eminence and profit have been taken away, and that they would be even more bewildered if they were told that the pleasures that take their place are countless and simply defy comparison with the pleasures of the body and the flesh, especially pleasures of eminence and profit." So if you're if you're living, the rushes that you get are being up the ladder from people, getting your way, or or like blind sensory gratification. If that composes your life, you can't imagine something more. But once you start to learn what love is and what it is to live in love and be part of a larger community, you realize that this is so much better. It's like you know, having money, and you're just going to blow it all in a couple nights uh, on, on like, you know, alcohol, food, that kind of stuff, and then and it's gone. Whereas if you invest it to be able to set up a long, happy life that eventually gets so much happier than you can ever imagine being. So don't do the hell thing, because heaven is better for a lot of reasons, or, or that's going to be the, the official position of this show. Uh, so that is what's going on. But even people who are choosing hell, who grab onto the most heinous things, God is trying to let them live the best life they can in that, when that composes your will, all right? So that is the hell side of things. And now, this whole process that we've been talking about, the digestion, the being in heaven, being in hell, you may recognize a little of it from your life, because this is not just something that's happening in the spiritual world. We can be going through it right now. We're going to take a look here in part five. So as I said before, or as I asked before, why is life hard? It's because we are being digested here. It's not just something that happens after you die. Um, we are already going through this process. You know, Swedenborg called it regeneration or, or um, reformation, right? And I wanted, I could talk about it more, but really you can see this happening most clearly in the life of a person, and, and usually in retrospect. So I have a, a good friend of mine whose name is Rob Nash, and he said that he, I, I came across his story that he, he had told on, on the web, and we're going to give you a link to it in a minute, but he told this awesome story about 
basically about this process. He didn't frame it like that, but this is him being digested a bit and how it actually, in the end, brought him more into what I would call the heavenly mindset. So here's Rob's story. I come from a family of addiction. My grandfather on my mother's side was an alcoholic. My mother was an alcoholic. Uh, I'm a drug addict, and that does include alcohol. My first use of a drug was alcohol and uh, for a few years. And then when I was in the Army, I switched over to drugs. And that went on from the time I was about... Uh, uh, I probably picked up my first drink at 12 or 13 and continued to use a substance every day until I was 37. And uh, I'm not, uh, you know, when, when people talk about drug addicts and alcoholics, they, you oftentimes get an image in your mind of the person on the grate or the person under the L and Dan and Kensington and stuff. And I was not one of those people. I had a job. I was successful. I fell Rather than falling down the stairs, I fell up the stairs. I had jobs of increasing responsibility and stuff, had gotten married and that sort of thing. But uh, one of the things about it was the emptiness and loneliness that I felt inside all the time. And that was probably the reason that I started using substances that made me more, I was always so uncomfortable in social situations and stuff, and it made me more able to handle those. I thought, as many uh, addicts start out thinking, and uh, then uh, uh, what they call the rapacious creditor steps in, and uh, you're, all of a sudden you find you're an addict. But... Uh, um, I, I was raised as a Swedenborgian, went to Swedenborgian schools all my life and that sort of thing. But that was a very intellectual pursuit. And uh, I understood a lot of things about spirituality and religion on an intellectual basis, but I was never able really to, to get that in my heart, get it sort of have a personal type of God. And, uh, the, uh, you know, most of the Ten Commandments, by the time I was 19, I felt like I had broken almost all the Ten Commandments in one way or another. So I really felt that I must be going to hell. So what the hell? I might as well <laughs> do it up. <laughs> and, uh, uh, my family did an intervention on me. I didn't think that there was anything wrong. The year before, I had fueled by copious amounts of cocaine. I had been salesman of the year for my company and stuff. And so I didn't think that there was anything wrong. But I, I, that empty, lonely feeling that I just had inside, that I felt almost hollow, and that I was trying to keep up these faces for all these different groups, for my family, for my wife, for my business life, and so on. I went into a hospital to a detox. And uh, when I was there, uh, I, I had uh, somewhat of a spiritual awakening, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I, I just started to pray. My mother had come up and I said, you know, I cried the whole time. I was a very self-centered and uh, uh, self-absorbed and I couldn't understand how a wonderful suburban guy like me ended up in a detox. But uh, So my mother had come to see me and, and I said, I, I don't know about this God thing. And she said, you just fake it till you make it. You get down on your knees and pray, you know. 
And uh, uh, I did that and uh, had an experience of, of the... Um, it just in my mind, it was all black and cloudy and rolling, and the clouds just parted and parted and parted, and the, the white light just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I don't think I was having a near-death experience, but it was something like that. And a guy named Bill Wilson talked about that, that he had an experience, something like that, too. So that was my first introduction to a personal God, and... Uh, uh, it kind of chokes me up to talk about it, but uh, uh, from that point on, I the obsession to use drugs left me, you know? And uh, so what a miracle in my life. But um, one of the things that uh, uh, Swedenborg talks about is that you still have to do the footwork, you know? <laughs> you can't... Uh, uh, and uh, he, he, of course, uses the term regeneration for what we're doing here in life. And I like to think I was introduced to the 12 steps. I like to think of the 12 steps as regeneration for dummies. It's a real simple plan. If you follow this plan, uh, then you're going to have, at the end, it says, as a result of these steps, you will have a spiritual awakening. The program basically is find God, clean house, and get into service, take action. And, uh, and that personally has, uh, has inspired me. That has been my life for the last 32 years. And uh, uh, that really is, I've come back to have just such a much deeper understanding of what Swedenborg says in his writings because of that personal connection that I have with God these days. And uh, so uh, that pretty much is my story, and I'm sticking to it. So that is so perfect because you look at he has these hard times, and through them he moves from a superficial understanding of spiritual things to what he feels like is a deeper personal one. Same thing with the God connection. It goes deeper, more personal, more real. It connects him to this 12-step program, which he feels like has been a huge positive thing in his life. It takes him from, uh, he, he describes himself as sort of empty and self-centered before, and now he's he's living a much fuller existence. So it just, and this is all through this digestion period. It wasn't any fun. You know, go, there's a lot of stuff that, that was tough but but it led him there so i i thought that was a great example that's the that's the abbreviated version he did this a longer interview for this thing called the rooms project and we have a link open up the description of this you can check it out you can go listen to his whole story there this is just a little snippet of it so uh if you're enjoying this now please give it a, a like like our video if you like it then also you could subscribe to our channel those things make a big difference to us uh and i want to try to give it back now uh you guys have been entering some questions comments that kind of stuff and we want to get to them so we're going to do our live question and answer on the right on the other side of this quick break so stay tuned Okay, here we go. I'm going to do my best to say a few things, and then you guys can figure out for yourself or talk to each other and figure out better answers, but I'll get it started. Okay, let's take a look at our first question. All right, Pelek, Pelek on YouTube. Hi, if there's no time reference in the spiritual world, is our soul placed in hell or heaven for eternity? That's a great question. Um, I guess 
Eternity hadn't happened yet, so you don't know. Swedenborg says it a couple different ways in different places. Earlier in, in uh, Secrets of Heaven, he says, if this process didn't happen, you know, someone would just have to be in hell forever. Um, so seeming to imply you can move around. Other places, he says, that, the, that our core love, what constitute our, constitutes our life, you can't just change it after death, that we are something. Um, so it can go either way. It sort of seems like the digest, the, the living on earth process and the digestion process is a big part of learning. Are you choosing who you are and what makes you happy? And that once you've formed yourself there, um, really, you don't move you you move around, but you don't make major changes. Like uh, I'm going to be all the way good now, or I'm going to be all the way bad now. If we take our meta- metaphor, though, the digestion, even manure can be regrown into plants and eaten again. So I don't know what it all means. It does seem that in nature you see these cycles. So I would I would say I don't know, and I would also imagine that if hell is a state that is not as good as heaven, you would think that God is not going to rest until people are pulled around. Swedenborg isn't, doesn't say that explicitly, but based on my brain, that's what I would think, okay? So thanks very much for that. Let's take a look at our next one. Keith, YouTube, is this why fasting is helpful for clearing energy? Oh yeah, man. So fasting, I've done a few of those. I did like a the master cleanse. You just like drink uh, lemon juice and like maple syrup and it was cool i mean it's hard but but it was cool and and i think that there is a lot i mean like i was saying before microcosm macrocosm uh or the other way around um that just like there's this larger process of people going into heaven and hell each of us is a miniature heaven or hell and so food going into the body is also an image of the things the the kinds of affections or loves that we have and i think yeah that a fast would be like I'm really going to clean that out. So I, I definitely think that, that there's a link. And Swedenborg talks a lot about, specifically about links between things like thinking and breathing, that your your breathing can really affect how you think. And I would, I would think also that um, uh, eating and, and feeling can have that same thing in that taking a disciplined approach to eating like that, where I'm going to intentionally um, really go at this to try to improve health. That's kind of like this regeneration or spiritual work that you like. I'm really gonna think about what I put into my spirit. So, so I would think that yeah, the two are linked and there's a correspondence, and that's part of why fasting is so helpful. So, it's a great question, Keith. Thank you very much. Uh, let's take a look at our next one. This is from Emo Duke on YouTube. Do you think you can travel the universe when you pass on? I hope so. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, uh, well, I think you can. New, a, a lot of near-death experiences say um, that describe very, very rapid movement. That, that they're saying, I, we were moving so fast we could have moved across the whole universe in a in a moment. And Swedenborg actually describes instantaneous travel because, as we've talked about in other episodes, the spiritual world is is the world we're in right now in thoughts and feelings. It's the world of, of thoughts and feelings. And those are, you think, if you're thinking about the universe, if you learned about some kind of star that's 20 bazillion light years away, you can think about it right away. There's no like, oh, I have to think about how to get there. You can be there. And that there's the same kind of um, instant uh, transport or movement there. So I would think, why not? And that that's part of the fun 
of that, of life, and of this life that's being set up for us is this continual learning. Swedenborg says you can grow in wisdom to eternity. So wisdom also can can be this learning about everything in the universe. So definitely, I think that would be a fun ride. I want to go back and see, I mean, I want to see, you know, like the, the history of life on earth, like dinosaurs and things that came, what was it like, hopefully, and I, there's a spiritual counterpart to it also, whether you'd see the physical or see the spiritual that gave rise, I don't know, but it would be cool. That's what I think. So great thought, great question. Thank you. Okay, next one. This is from Help Expose on YouTube. If everyone in the world has two evil spirits and two heavenly spirits present, that's what Swedenborg says, are the people who are born in Africa, born starving there because the evil spirits that are attached to them needed to learn some ultimate lesson, are the angels that are attached to them sent to take care from the highest heaven? Yeah, oh man. So you're asking me questions I don't know the answer to, which is why why are we born into these different situations? And what I think is it's sort of a mix of we messed up the system and we're all learning from it. As in things like poverty, right, and, and malnutrition, that kind of stuff. This is not God just saying, this is how it has to be, you guys need to learn this. You know what I mean? Um, This is because there wouldn't be that stuff if everybody on earth wasn't driven by greed and selfishness, that there is enough food to feed the world, but because we're not, because there's evil in the heart, it's, it's driving things away. You know, so there's that segment of it. There, there's 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 order, and God can't just blow it all apart. We have to work with Him. But then also, the heart, God doesn't allow anything bad unless good is brought out of it. So, people that are in that situation, you know, you never know that the their inner life and what they're learning and how they're changing and what's happening there. Um, and, and as far as how it's affecting the spiritual world, could be Swedenborg does say that one of the things we're doing here on Earth is affecting. The, the spiritual world that we're associated with. So I don't know as far as specifics, and and certainly we want to try to correct stuff like that. If, if anybody's suffering and we can do anything about it, we got to try. Hopefully good things are coming out at the same time. So it's complicated. It's a great question. There's my partial answer, and, and thank you for the thought. Okay, so let's take a look at another one. Tanner, so gay people, what's the story on that? Well, that's good. That's like one of the biggest issues around religion, spirituality kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know what the story is. Um, as uh, I don't is it like why why are people gay? Uh, as far as the mechanics and stuff like that, I don't know. Uh, there's it's all order. I mean, it's all like the way, the reason people think and feel like they are any people uh, is because of how the spirit and the mind is. As far as like. Is God, does God hate it? Is it an abomination? You know, no. I mean, Swedenborg talks about all kinds of different levels of things are suited to people where they are. You know, he, he talks about, he was one of the first guys to say, like, you don't have to be Christian to go to heaven, back when everyone was, you have to be Christian. You know, so it was like, so there's there's a big wide world, and as far as why people have specific things and what that means, I don't know. You know, I don't know how that all goes. I think anybody can go to heaven if they have mutual love. And whether or not we, how much we change on the other side, I don't know. Like is, like some, are you, if you're gay on earth, are you gay? I would think you can be anything in the entry to heaven. Do we change as we go up? I don't know. Uh, That's something you got to study and look at for yourself. But I would love to do an entire episode on this topic because I think there's so many interesting, and I'd love to get some 
gay people's perspective on it as well. But that's that's a good one. That's getting me thinking about we could do a whole whole episode on what is it what does Swedenborg say about it and then what do people who are interested in Swedenborg say about it and where does it go from there? So that's a great question. Those are like my very beginning thoughts. I didn't like say a lot because I don't want to like say a little thing and not have a lot it needs a deeper conversation but hopefully there was some clarity in there was there okay great thank you very much okay um mark are the mainstream church doctrines preparing people to end up in heaven man swedenborg didn't think so he was all not happy with the mainstream uh church doctrines he, he spent a lot of his time in his day but there's some that have remained relatively unchanged um so uh, he was talking about Christianity, um, and he was saying, listen, this doctrine that uh, you can be a nasty person, but because you say you're saved, then you're saved, that doesn't do it. The only doctrine that saves is one that teaches you you have to love, you have to love people and not do evil, and some kind of following a higher power. Those are the ones that save. There's, he th- seemed to think in his day Christian churches were doing in a lot of cases, more harm than good, but particularly among the people who were like uh, theologists or the, the clergy, sort of the higher up, the, 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 your average person who just knew, oh, you're supposed to be good, that they were doing all right. But, but misleading ideas from religion can be a huge problem. And he spent as much energy raging against that as he did on anything. So that's my answer to that. Um, okay, we're going to take three more. Um, because we got to wrap up at some point. Let's take a look at our next one. TomTom4, YouTube, if our world has influences both from hell and from heaven, then that means we aren't in any of those, doesn't it? Then where are we? Uh, He begins, Swedenborg begins uh, one of his books, or, or the section on the world of spirits, I think it's in heaven and hell, by saying the world of spirits is neither heaven or hell, but a place in between. So briefly, we are spirits with a body. So the body is in the world. Our spirits are in the world of spirits right now, which is this equilibrium in between. And we have influences from heaven and influences from hell that keep us in that equilibrium. And so we can, you know, sort of see what either one is like through our connection of it. But until uh, until we pass on from this world, we are we're sort of in the middle, even though we can be more and more aligned with one or the other. And this process, this digestion thing that, that we were talking about, that all takes place in the world of spirits, in between. You know, uh, people will call it other things, but that's the way that Swedenborg described it. So great. Thanks for the question. Two more. Let's take a look. This is Catwoman. Is there free will in the afterlife? Yeah, I mean, freedom, even though it's like there's this sorting out, you choose good or evil. Freedom and consciousness are inseparable. You know, that, that if, if you didn't have freedom, uh, then, then nothing would work. People that are in heaven are freely choosing to let God run through them. People in hell are freely choosing to pursue evil and selfishness. That all that's, you know, that nobody is, people can be for little periods of time confined, but, but there's no, you always have permanent sort of freedom. So yeah, there is free will, um, but, you know, if you grab tightly to something, nobody can, can force that out of your hands. All right, so let's take a look at one more. This last one is from Keith on YouTube. Does it make sense that if you're processing some negative qualities to be afraid to receive love because those qualities will leak over onto the other person? Right, like, oh, I, I don't want to ruin you too, you know? 
Uh, it's a good question. Um, and it, it's always hard to balance. Do I need to protect people or do I need to get close? And it's, it can go too far in either way. Like you certainly can bring dysfunction, but then a lot of people who are really suffering and really struggling and need help feel like they can't. And that I sort of, it sort of seems like from what Swedenborg says from other people say, hell tries to get you isolated. You know, it tries to get you thinking, nobody can help me. I'm contaminated. I, I'm no good. You know, you want, I mean, there's certainly like physically, there are certain diseases that are contagious, but if you go to the place where they have the right facility, you know, they can deal with that. So it may be that there's some, you know, if something is going on and there's somebody that you're close to that uh, my, you know, this is too much for just this person I know, you know, my, my friend or my romantic partner or something to handle, it may be you have to go to something that's more structured, like therapy or, or something, or even farther to be put in an institution. Like, you know, um, Rob was telling his story, and he was saying that I had to go to a detox center. It wasn't just like I could be in my house and, and have my wife deal with all this, you know, that, that you have to go. So I, I feel like you want to be careful of other people, but watch out for isolation. That, that isolation is often people are driven into. They think no one can help. I would hurt people by touching them. So you probably want to at least try a little to get help. And, and you can look at where does it feel safe to get help, but but really pursue that. Don't think nobody can help me because often that leads to leads to things getting worse and worse. So those are just my thoughts. They are not medical advice. Uh, so th- that's where it is. So thank you guys all. It was a great episode. Um, from a question standpoint, hopefully you guys thought it was a good one from content earlier. Thanks. If you guys want to support this program and have it keep going, you can donate. Uh, we're having our membership drive. So if you want to pay $20, uh, that will get you a membership for a year. There's benefits. You get like free books, that kind of thing. And actually we have a matching grant. So your donation will be matched five to one. So that will go a long way towards helping bringing programming like this. If you still want programming like this after this episode. All right, cool. So next week will be our one year anniversary of this show. So this show is called Swedenborg in Life. We're talking about Swedenborg all the time. Next week, we're going to look at Swedenborg and see what, why are we doing this? Should we be doing this? We're going to answer the question, was Swedenborg crazy? We're going to, or was Swedenborg lying? How do we know this is even a good source to go to in the beginning? So if that sounds interesting to you, check us out next Monday. Hope to see you then. Thanks.